0: Hey, We are back in the Football Shed, the podcast for football fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name's John Hewitt and Jeff King is here.
1: Hey, Hello! Good day! Hello!
0: <laughs> and uh, Roger Gibbs is here. Hi. Hi, Roger. <laughs> Roger, you're wearing a very jaunty hat this evening. You look like a Russian sailor. Is that part of your plan on American Election Day?
2: Yeah, I'm just, you know, making some subtle... Subtle hints via the medium of um, video link
0: <laughs> that you want to vote for Russia. Does, does that mean you're a Trump voter? Is that what you're saying?
2: I don't know. <laughs> <It's> got, <laughs> just found this hat on the on the door, so I put it on because it looked a bit silly.
1: Certainly looks like some mm. kind of
0: Russian seaman. um for everyone at home we're recording this on the day of the u.s election and so we've all spent all day staring at u.s election results and now i hate the world and i'm exhausted um so i'm trying to get myself health into a football brain so is everyone ready to talk about football jeff did you bring beer ready to yeah
2: yeah yeah
1: yeah. but can i just quickly say on the u.s election isn't it of all of the things that being in australia is is bad for it is great for the u.s election Apart if you oh, ignore the perfect. results, because by the time you get up in the morning, polls close about 10 a.m. You're like, okay, well, great. So from 10 a.m. till 6 p.m., whilst you're just at work at a computer already, oh, let click refresh. How's it going yet? Yeah, it's all just super yeah. exciting. It's like the the world being on the wrong time zone. The world is fucked. Apart from for the U.S. election, so thank you, America. It's been
0: swell. Yeah. Yeah, I've got no work done today at all. I've definitely <laughs> achieved nothing as my professional life, but uh, I did watch uh, a lot of TV. What did yeah, you bring, Jim?
1: I got a beer. I got a, a, a cantina. Cantina. Cantina?
2: Are Cera you drinking a uh, cantina? Well, hold on. You are drinking an imitation. One of, the, one of those one of horrible bit corona. corona yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, like you it's, really it's, are it's, scraping the barrel here.
1: No, 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 no. This <laughs> is from El Salvador, Rod. This is this is uh this is a traditional El Salvadorian beer. Um imported. <laughs> uh it was about two fifty
0: a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> two fifty a sounds bottle like, is a bottle. Like hang- that sounds like a hangover in a bottle.
1: No, well, I think it's refreshing and, and juicy. Just
2: sounds <laughs> horrible. <laughs> Absolutely mm.
0: horrible. Mm, cantina. Mm. Um, rog, what delicious thing did you bring? That
2: it's going to take uh, four I, hours I, for you to say. Well, it was a public holiday yesterday, so I drank all my beer. Um, He's just got and- some yeast in, back, just going, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeast in a bag, Johnny. He's just going to just going to nuzzle some yeast with his nose. Just go. Yeast in a bag. Sniff it up. There you go, Rog.
2: Right, just I shit I'm of very- bread. Very civilised with a nice uh, glass of cupboard red wine. Oh, cupboard red wine. You should have bought some Audi
0: red wine like mine. It's really good. Only $5 a bottle. Really good. Um, so every week we do start with a question, which, Jeff, I think you're going to do the question this week. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, but before we do that, I'm just going to do the admin. If you want to get in contact, ask us a question. Tell us we're wrong about something. Um, tell us your opinions on the US election if you really want to. Um, You can find us on Facebook, just search Football Shed or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. And also don't forget to obviously subscribe and of course tell your mates so more people can hear us talk about elections and mainly football. Um, Jeffa, what is this week's question?
1: Okay, simple premise this week, simple premise. It's it's called the more or less game, right? So I'm going to name a player and you're going to tell me whether Jamie Vardy has scored more goals in the Premier League or fewer goals in the Premier League than that player are
2: you
1: ready what (laughs) four he's got more More. Uh, anyway (laughs) you ready Cristiano Ronaldo
2: more more
1: correct Dennis Burkamp wait are we
2: taking this in turns or how are we doing or should we just keep shouting just shout out (laughs) Uh,
1: Uh, he's
2: got more than
0: Dennis Burkamp
1: more than Dennis Burkamp Wayne
2: Rooney Less, Less.
1: correct. Fernando Torres.
2: More, more,
1: more. Definitely. Didier Drogba.
2: More. More.
1: More. Correct. Tevez.
2: Less. No, sorry. More. More. Tevez. Yeah, definitely more.
1: Correct. Thierry Henry. Less. Less. Correct. Suarez.
2: More. More. Correct. Ryan Giggs. <laughs> More. Less. More.
1: Um, Eric less. Cantona.
2: More. More.
1: Correct. Aguero. Less. less. Correct. Ole More.
2: <laughs>
1: How amazing is that?
0: He's pretty good, isn't he? <laughs> he's scored more goals
1: than Bergkamp, Ronaldo, Cantonar, Torres, Giggs, Drogba, Tevez, Hazard, Suarez, Jamie Vardy.
2: And he didn't like, start yeah, he playing didn't... until he was 26. Like, he does he deserve, deserve more respect?
1: There's, the, there's the question that everyone's everyone's asking themselves. Does he deserve more respect or does he have it already?
0: Um, <laughs> I don't think he deserves more respect. I think everyone knows he's really good. I think the thing that surprises me that He's actually getting better, so I thought he would like all oh, get a bit slower and lose his pace a bit. And you go, "Well, it was good when Jamie Vardy was really fast, but now he's just not." But he seems to be getting better and better and more economical with what. Yeah, what he's he does.
2: he's adjusted his game, which I think perhaps, like I think that's what you're saying here, John. And I think a lot, and I think I would be in this camp that wouldn't necessarily have given him the credit that he could do that. Do you know what I mean? That he could, because when he was, so when Leicester won the league, for instance, he was like a ball of motion. Um, You know, Mm. he'd led the, he's obviously very quick, but he also led the press and he was, you know, running all over the place all the time. And All he did was run. Like he was like a pinball on a pinball machine. Whereas now, as I've mentioned a few times, he's sort of morphed into fat Ronaldo where he's, you know, still very quick (laughs) over 10 yards and he can time that run brilliantly. So, you know, ball over the top or ball around the side. He just knows how to play on the shoulder of the last man. And he's still pretty bloody quick. Uh, you know, he aged, what is he, 35? 30, 30, uh, no, he's 33. 33. 33, 33. Um, and I, I didn't think he had that in him. I didn't think he could adapt his game like that. So he's a cleverer player than I gave him credit for.
0: Would you, at the Euros, take him as your super sub? Because I think he'd be perfect in that kind of, Bring him on for the last 15 minutes. You need someone just to get him behind, score a quick winner. Jamie Vardy.
1: That's well, a moot point, isn't it? Because he, he retired himself, didn't he? And he, re- he retired he because he was used as a sub. So he's like, well, he actually, did. I'm going to focus my energy in my career on playing really well for Leicester. I'm going to keep fit. I'm not going to get injured on international duty. I'm going to, you know make sure that I'm using my old man body as well as I could. But I'm sure if if, if he was told he'd start for England, he'd come back and play. So I guess sort of to your yeah, question, uh, it, it's probably not worth talking about.
0: Okay, That's we won't bother.
2: Sorry. very, very good I would though. Call him. Like, I just noticed that... Uh, I mean, we'll go on. You, we're probably going to go on to talk about Leicester. And while they're a good team, they are, I, I, I think I said it last week, I think he makes more difference to their team than any other individual does to a team in the Premier League. Like He just changes the yeah. way they play completely. Yeah, no, that's fair.
0: Um, let, let's, let's go on to the actual football. And I have a bit of a conceptual question I wanted to put to you both to start us off this week. Um, and like we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, that the league's a bit weird. Like Leicester, are second. Everton are still in the top four. Southampton a fifth. Um, and the world's going a bit strange with COVID, etc. So everything's a bit different. So we've talked about this is the year that anyone could win the league, and it could be Liverpool top, but it could be anyone's got a chance, and Leicester could do it. If you're in charge of a team and you're an owner, you're not a manager. Do you just go okay? This is the year that we can win the league. If we're Chelsea, for example, do we just fire Frank Lampard and get a guy in who can sort out our defence and just make sure that we win every game between now and the end of the season, 1-0, we win the league and then we fire Big Sam or Tony Poulis, whoever we get in, and just get in almost someone who will just get you 1-0 1-0 wins for the rest of the season so you can win the league? Do you gamble, throw out any philosophy, don't care about all this young player stuff and having a set way of playing? doesn't matter if it's entertaining because there's no fans there. Just chuck it all out the window and make sure you win 1-0 and then you've won the league.
2: I, can't, I don't want to sound like Jeff and the way that he answered your last question, but I kind of feel like if it was that easy, someone would have done it. Like it's, no, I don't
0: think they would though because everyone thinks they have to have a plan and a theory and a philosophy and we're too loyal to Frank or Oliver. But you've still got to
2: win though, John. you got to find a way to win a football game and it's not as easy as just going with we're, we're, you know, George Graham's Arsenal we're going to win 1-0 every week. What's the problem with Chelsea and Man United at the moment? Their defence is crap. They've got well, you the best... Could, you somebody. could argue that Chelsea have turned the corner. I
1: was going to say, is it the four clean sheets in a row haven't they got Chelsea in all competitions? You'd argue as soon as they put their new goalkeeper in that... Fr- Fat Frank's actually
2: and a thirty-six-year-old centre-back.
1: Yeah, so so you, yeah. you you think that he's you know he obviously knows that that's an area that that he has to improve as a as a coach. And um, and not only that, but his defenders are, are still scoring goals. Zuma scored at the weekend, so we got. I've, I've ripped on. Are you
2: giving Lampard some credit here? Well, think
1: I've, I've got to. I've, I have to because this is this is the specific area that I have given him a kicking on for the last eighteen months. The specific part of the pitch. So if he's going to keep four clean sheets in a row, I, I genuinely have to turn around and say that's impressive, considering how limited I think he is at coaching a defense. I think that he's done a very, very good job. Um, with a
2: Sorry. Oops. Sorry, so
1: Roger. It's probably easier, John, to, to do something like Fat Frank's done than, than to throw it all out and start again with a with a big Sam. Is that what are you are suggesting?
0: Well, no, i just possibly, but what I'm thinking about, you remember the year that Leicester did win the league? Arsenal choked, Spurs choked. Like, there was a couple of teams there that should have won it. And yeah, if they had a winner still. in charge, yeah, they would have won it. But they didn't take advantage of doing it. And and I just think there's maybe a few clubs in the league this year that could just gamble right now. We're only seven or eight games in. Know that there's no fans in the stadium. And just go, I don't care about how we play. And maybe you don't need to change the manager. But you don't care about how you play. But you just play ugly defensive and just get 1-0 wins. And you win this league. We and partly like I'm sp- thinking Spurs,
1: are- yes. <laughs> Spurs are perfectly positioned to do exactly that, John. The, we spoke about last week that if fans were in the crowd, if fans were in the crowd, if fans were <laughs> in attendance, <laughs> if there was a the crowd, if fans existed, then Mourinho couldn't get away with doing what he's doing. And Spurs are in form because of it. And because of that, the players will buy into it. They'll stick to their, their game plan, even if they win ugly. And it, you'd argue that that's probably the, a living example of this.
0: Yeah, yeah true. Um, but let's go on to the actual football then. And uh, I've kind of put grouped teams together and along this kind of theme of like the outsiders um, and then the possibles, and then the teams that are actually probably going to win the league. But outsiders, I wanted to start with Southampton um, because they beat Villa 4-3, having been 4-0 up. Roger, you are back online now and I feel like we've just got chucked out and stopped recording and then we've lost a bit and then we found a bit. So we'll carry on talking about Southampton. But basically, I was say that Southampton are really good and uh, Daddy, uh, Daddy Inks is great. James Waterhouse is brilliant and they could do something.
1: Yeah, it's, as I said, it's hard to it's hard to look at this game without starting at War Prouse and his two free kicks,
0: and uh,
2: you know two very so he's been different doing that, free bridge. kicks. Years though.
0: Go on. As I as don't well. know, about he's done it for years. He's getting consistent. Does, does that make oh, it, no, worse? Mean, just, it. no, 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 no. But he's on.
2: been a, a very good. Well, why it's just the fact he scored two goals this game. Now I know he's going to say, "Of course," but he has been <laughs> he he has been one of the best dead ball um, specialists in the league for you know the last two three years. Like he spent a spell out of the team, obviously. Um, and who was it? Dropped him Hughes. Who was? Oh, um, uh, yeah, I think so. Puel maybe. Yeah, doesn't he know
0: doesn't know anything anyway.
2: Um, but since he came back into the team, he just oh, oh, do you know what I was thinking when I saw it, Jeff? When I, I saw the free kicks and then and also the corners, I'm like, maybe that's Burnley's answer. Maybe they sh- they what they should do in the January window is stump up 25 million for Ward Prowse, and that will keep them up. Because he will just take <laughs> the best in swinging corners that you you can imagine. <laughs> I think bad, he's
1: more than twenty five million at the moment. I, I I think it's goals like that that change games and change seasons. And he's he's looking consistent. He's looking sharp. Um, and as as you say, they've got Danny Ings, and it really is a cliche to say that if a team has a really good striker that's in form, they do well. But they do, and yeah. It, you know, you, the, the reason why strikers cost so much money is because they just give you results. They forge points, and you have an organised, well structured, disciplined team. A great striker and a good set piece taker, and you, you've got a chance. Got a chance against anyone.
2: But and you've got to credit, you know, because Ho- um obviously left, and he was one of their, you know, main players. So. I think that was potentially a big loss for them, particularly since he's gone on and done well at Spurs. But I think also we all – I'm kind of feeling a bit vindicated here because we all thought that Southampton would go all right this year and I think we quite like the rabbit hutch. Um, Mm. And perhaps – was it week one and they lost against – Newcastle, Yeah, they had the really
0: high line and everyone went, oh, you're dumb, you don't know what you're doing.
2: Yeah, and they got tonked by Spurs. And I think then, you know, a lot of the media and things were perhaps questioning them again a bit. But I, you know, for instance, in that Spurs game, I think we saw Southampton play really, really good football. They just got caught out by Harry Kane and Sun doing what they've been doing a lot this year. Um, And so I think I kind of feel like uh the Southampton's position is reflective of you know of their performance. Like they there's some games where they perhaps didn't get the reward that they that they could have and I mean I I've really I've really enjoyed watching them this year can so I, can far. I give you- Some
1: kind of tip of the hat to Villa though in this game and I I know Southampton score four goals and they they look great and they'll get the headlines but Villa did score three late goals. They got back into this game. They had 19 shots versus Southampton's nine. um, 10 shots on target versus Southampton's four. Southampton only had four shots on target and they scored four goals. Villa had them on possession. They had them on passing accuracy. Statistically, Villa were the better side in this game. Of course, we've spoken about it. We all enjoyed watching Southampton Hampton there, and and I enjoy the way Southampton play football. But Villa definitely weren't schmucks in this. They didn't. Get- I was going to say,
0: do you think with Villa having lost two in a row now, after the seven-two win over Liverpool, is this a just a hiccup and they're going to be fine, or have they got found out a little bit, or have they
2: just been unlucky? Well, it's Nobody funny. Knows. Well, well, we we had them. We all had them going down, or certainly you and me did, John. Yeah, I did. And then I think, in hindsight, over a larger sample size, and them sorting out their defence at the back end of last year, which we've spoken about, that's you know that was the critical aspect of them staying up. Was essentially they went from just having Jack Grealish to having Jack Grealish and stop conceding so many goals, and yeah. so I think. This, this isn't just the you know first seven games of the season or six games of the season. It's a bit more than that and, and as Jeff said, I think they deserve some credit for getting back into this game and I think they are um, they've made some good signings and they're a more rounded team than they were last year and I, I, I'm willing to admit I was wrong on this. I think I mean it's very easy to get sucked back into the mire in the Premier League, but from what I've seen of them this year, I think they'll be fine.
0: Um, Going on to, I was just looking at who Villa play next week. They play Arsenal away next week. We'll be interested to see how they get on against Arsenal. Um, One of the other outsiders for the league, Leicester, Um, they beat Leeds 4-1 away from home. Now, I do think this score of 4-1 is a bit over the top for Leicester. It wasn't a 4-1 result and Leeds were very good. But Leicester were also brutally efficient on their counter-attack. They knew what they were going to do. They held off Leeds well. And what impressed me most about Leicester, they played a black back three for the first time this season with Christian Fuchs playing his first game as wow. a centre-back, yeah. who's who's the backup left-back, and then two 19-year-olds as the other centre-backs. Fofana, who they've only just signed, who looks amazing, and then James Justin, who's also a full-back. So they played one centre-back, oh, back. two full-backs <laughs> yes. and a back three. Um, and they looked brilliant against the team that have done really well this season. Um, and Brendan Rodgers seems to be getting it right again.
1: Well, what I loved most about this game is that I think three of the four girls were follow-ups so they
2: so
1: what that means you know it's not luck that someone's there to follow it up and put it in and when you see it in isolation you're like oh well that's easy you know he just taps it in from a from a couple of feet out or oh, you know it's just a tap in mm. but it's not you, you watch the way that the the secondary phase of play the player who is you know pushing that secondary phase is there on the shoulder waiting for there to be a rebound or a or a cutback it was a Follow up on the counter attack. It's almost like what Wolves did so well last year. It's that kind of uh, that overlapping counter attack and being ready to to pounce, and and that means that that that's a really interesting sign because it means that everyone is buying into the system because they're mm. doing it without rewards. You know, usually if you're the person who follows up, or if you're the you're the person who wants to get into that bit of space, you're not going to get the chance. You're not going to get the goal. You just you know you know that you just bust in a gut to get somewhere that was never going to be known to anyone, but you and your manager, but they're all doing it. And, not only that, but it's now an example of it working, which means they'll buy into the system even more. And you know that Brendan Rodgers is a very good tactician, and, it, and if he has a bunch of players who are young and influenceable who buy into the way he plays football, and you can go away and, and beat Leeds four one, I think excellent. I also think that it's very smart. For him, sorry, I'll, I'll go on the last bit about this game. I think it's very yeah. smart Brendan Rodgers to try a new tactic in a game against Bielsa. Because you know that in the week, Bielsa trains first team against second team and the second team plays the predicted strategy of the team that you're playing on the following weekend. So all week, training against a flat back four. So suddenly going into that Leeds game, that you know with a yeah. three at the back that you've never done before will absolutely fl- throw the game plan of Leeds United and then they'll have to rely on individual skill and when you look at Bamford's miss in the first half just like we said you know they are greater than some of the parts however sometimes mm. their parts are not good enough I think that's what did
0: Leeds over um, and with Leicester like Brendan Rodgers is really smart and a very good coach But do you think that he has a bit of a problem? We saw it with Liverpool. They faded towards the end of the season. Leicester faded last year. And they've started great again. They've started better than they did when they won the league in 2015. Um, Has he got a problem that he kind of goes out too hard and he's not going to keep it going? Or have he got the squad depth this time to actually keep it going?
2: Well, I think one thing I'd say there in the back end of last year, they had some key injuries and we kind of saw it coming. Like indeed, mm. he immediately sp- springs to mind, and I think a massive thing this year has been indeed he has has been injured again and hasn't been playing. But Mendy has been great, and yeah. I think they've signed. Well, you mentioned Fofana. You know, um, Soyen Chu has been uh, injured, who also had a really good yep. year last year. Johnny Evans hasn't been playing much. Uh, you know, Pereira was arguably the best right back in the season uh, in the league last year before he got injured. Um, and, you know, the new guy from Atalanta, um, Castagna, has been really yeah, good. I and yeah. so I sort of, I, I feel like, you know, we credit Rogers, but I think also credit Leicester in that they perhaps, I mean, some of it's internal. Mendy was there last year, but he just looks like he's playing better football. But, um, you know, I think in some of those other positions, they've strengthened a bit. I still think the big one is, it's for me, it's still Vardy or yeah. Bust. No Vardy, no win. Yeah, when he hasn't <laughs> played, they just don't look the same team. I did
0: love as well because they had um their new winger as well under the Turkish guy and his little assist for the last party oh, yeah, goal. Win. Win. Yeah, was so good. Wait, was it a dink or was he
2: going, Was that a shot? Well, I, I, no, I, I think have it's heard a pass. people
0: say that he was actually he's going for a shot and he miskicked it.
2: Because it, it looks no, a little. I'm like going to give him credit here. I think he. I think it was square enough that he meant it as a pass
0: or if it it it, is a shot it's a really piss poor shot
2: it's funny like he was um (laughs) he was really talked up in italy like you know went there as a bit of a like he's you know pretty young and there was a lot of um uh you you know a lot of speculation in italy that he was going to be a superstar and it hasn't really happened um but he's clearly got you know a bit of ability so i think you know for Leicester, I don't know if it's a paid loan or whether it's, you know, just a straight up loan with an option to buy. But, I mean, they're not really losing anything by signing someone mm. like that. And he's already got a couple of assists and he gives them something a little bit different than they've got. So, you know, well, I think, you know, that could prove to be a pretty shrewd signing. The, um, the last team I wanted
0: to talk about in the uh, outsiders for the league is Wolves. Um, who beat Crystal Palace 2-0. Now, I don't really want to talk about Wolves for long because just seeing Jeff's face now <laughs> <it> perfectly <laughs> exemplifies why wolves are boring as all hell. Um,
1: so shit, wolves, what's happened?
0: Well, are <laughs> wolves? I was gonna say, are wolves the best worst team in the league because they're brilliant, but watching them is dire. I watched I watched
1: this game and it was so horrible. It's such a horrible performance. They, they, it's it's like it's it's just so hard because when they how I, 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 can I struggle with this? It? Like, like you look at my faces because I'm struggling. Because when they first got promoted, they played the type of football that I loved, absolutely loved. And I'm not sure whether it's personal preference or whether they've matured or whether. You know, European competition has meant that they've stretched their squad and they've got to be more pragmatic or save their legs or you know I can hear all of these arguments and think yes I get it but when I watch them it's miserable it's miserable football. Mm. and they really they put a lot of effort into taking the sting out of a game and you know we've I say this every yeah, year you, you're, is, you're is right football, Jeff. You know? we're here to enjoy it and and they do everything they can to stop the game being on a knife edge they do everything they can to yeah take take the take the sting out of it and then when they get a goal up or two goals up it's over and and yeah that's that's great it's like if you're a Wolves fan you're like bingo it's in the bag another three points next but really as a a spectacle it's so crap
0: They've got um, no Europe this year as well. So they're in a position where they can just plan each week, get ready, be really boring, win that game, and then do it again the next week. They actually next week play Leicester away, which I think is actually going to be a really good game. So I think they're both sides. They're two sides that I think can push top four and genuinely could come in the top four. So I think next week will be a real kind of sign of who's closest.
2: But I got I got annoyed with them like a couple of weeks ago. I watched the um, Wolves Leeds game, mm. and you they know, killed that as well, they, didn't they? Yeah, they killed. They absolutely <laughs> killed that. And I'm like, Leeds have been pretty much every game that Leeds have played in this year has been amazing. That game, they just fucking squashed it. And I was like, yeah. I don't, I don't want, I don't want any part in this Wolves. You might be good, but no, I don't it, want
1: this. It's like dropping a golf ball in a plate of jelly. That is is Wolves. (laughs) Wolves are the plate of jelly and leads to the goal. (laughs)
0: Um, Let's move on to teams that are not outsiders, that used to be good, but are now a bit hot and cold. So we can't work out whether they're good or bad. Um, We need to start with the Arsenal-Man United game, uh, which was 1-0 to Arsenal. Um, Possibly the worst 90 minutes of football I've watched since watching Man United Chelsea the week before <laughs> um, so it's been, it's been a slow two weeks as a Man United fan um, it was so dire and lacking in oomph and care um, but Arsenal seem like they're finding a way to win and maybe they're becoming a boring boring Arsenal like they do everything very well and they're very efficient and they're keeping clean sheets and grabbing 1-0 wins so is boring boring Arsenal back
1: well, this is the first time. Like credit where it's due, you got to you got to acknowledge these milestones. I think it's the first time they've beaten a top six side away for about seventy six years. Yeah, are we
0: still considered top six side? I don't well, know if we can give a them a traditional that. big
2: club. <laughs> <Top six laughs> big and top and and what is <laughs> it? What is it <laughs> since they beat United, John at uh, uh, um, Old Trafford? Is it fourteen years?
0: Fourteen years,
2: yeah. Well, like, so I mean, I I'm with you, Jeff, on this because I I would like to go into giving Arsenal a bit of a kicking, but I um, I did think we needed to, and I was going to ask you that question because I I still don't think Arsenal are great, and Arteta's been it annoyed me in the press this week. Like, I was reading oh, Martin Keown, he's so you know, good. was with so this whole oh. article about how amazing Arteta is, and I just don't agree. But then I thought, hold on, maybe I'm not being fair and maybe we just have to take this as Arsenal have not got a result at Man United for 14 years. They just got a result at Man United. They've also already mm-hmm. played Man City. They've already played Liverpool. Like, they haven't had an easy start. Or, and you know, I don't, don't know. Is top. there something in that? Like, should we, should we, be, give, should we be giving them credit? Because I'm still not convinced. With Arteta, I'm still not convinced.
0: However, I am playing against, they play against Man United, and I read it was Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's 100th game in charge. And I saw an article about Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's first 100 games versus Jurgen Klopp's first 100 games. And Oli actually has more points. So he has a better win percentage, draw percentage, etc. than Klopp did after 100 games. Now, there's no way I'm going to say Oli's a better manager than Klopp because that's ridiculous. Arteta, for me, I don't rate him and I think he is overrated and everyone kind of is jumping on a bandwagon with him. However, Arsenal do seem to be gradually improving. When you look to Liverpool, after 100 games on the Klopp, they were getting better. They were going somewhere, they were improving, they were becoming a team that was doing something. Arsenal is pretty boring to watch and it's pretty uninspiring but they are becoming something you can't say that about ollie's man united it's win one lose one don't know what's going on all over the place so i guess arteta has a plan i presume
1: yeah and and what's interesting is i'd say that ollie took over a better side than both klopp or arteta Mm -hmm. he had better players at his disposal when he took over that club so, so, Klopp having a worse 100 games, he had worse players. He, he had a worse team mm. at his disposal. I'd say that that was the same. That's the same story with Arteta. Um, whereas Ollie's taken a better team and doesn't have as much of a plan. Sorry, I know this isn't an Ollie bash session, but doesn't no. have as much, much of a plan. I think Arsenal are progressing. What what we have to um, acknowledge is is we don't know what they're progressing into. You know, Mm. are we looking for someone to create Manchester City? Are we looking for someone to create Arsene Wenger's Arsenal? I I don't know because I, I see that they're making progress. I see that they're getting results and I see that they're looking a bit more fluid. But is the pinnacle of what Arteta is looking to produce that what you know the Arsenal way the DNA the kind of you know the seven, seventy one touch passes before a, a side foot finish in the bottom corner by Aaron Ramsey like like what, it, are we looking for that is that the goal and if that's the goal are we misjudging him I don't,
0: no, that's I don't know. that's a very good point because at Klopp we knew what Dortmund played like and so we knew what Klopp was going to bring and he brings rock and roll football or heavy metal football Yeah, yeah, and um, whereas with Arteta we don't know that we just know that he worked. For Arsene Wenger, and he worked for Pep Guardiola, so you presume it will be similar. But maybe he's more of a George Graham, and Ooh. he's very pra- pragmatic, yeah, and he's it. very kind of micromanages every single bit of what happens on the pitch. Maybe he's the next Nuno Espirito Santo, and it's just really dull. And Arsenal Wolves are going to win the league for <laughs> the next five that, that's, years. That's, ex-
1: that's exactly my point. But, and he's some... a player. Him as a player. Sorry, sorry, Roger. Um, there you um, go. go. Him as a player, his time at Rangers and Everton does not lend to to bringing up a team like Guardiola's Barcelona or like Arsene Wenger's Arsenal. It doesn't. So he has in his footballing DNA Rangers and David Moyes. Yeah. So, so we've got to think that there there is a. <laughs> there is a mix there that that will have helped him forge who he is and he will take he's actually will take broad ideas from the whole spectrum of experiences that he has and he will create a football team in that vision so what are we, i think we just need to be sure with what we're expecting before we judge whether he's got there yet
0: yeah
2: no, that's fair Well, i think say, there's Rush? another part well there's another part to that which is it's all very well and good and saying they're improving as well but not only what are they aiming at from a stylistic point of view, but what is a reasonable aim for Arsenal as a club at the moment? Because I think they've dropped significantly. And playing the way that they're playing with their team and their squad, I don't necessarily see them challenging hard for the top four this year. I think there are better teams and squads than Arsenal. But if that's the case, there are some things about... The um, Arteta's doing that I don't really understand. So you know, Aubameyang's not getting any younger. Lacazette's not getting any younger. Um, you know, William that, that
1: none of them are getting
2: younger. Signed <laughs> as a 32-year-old. 30, you know, like it. I'm not getting younger. These he, are players for the now. I don't know. So this is just some things I find. You know, El Nani's come in from the cold, while Gunduzi and Torreira can't get a game. But I think are two players that have a lot of potential, and I just but, it, is, it is a very negative. They're playing two, two. They're playing three at the back, two scrappers. You know, a fullback as wingback. Like I just think it's. Yes, maybe he's fixing their defensive. Um, you know flaws, and but I don't think that will ever go away completely. When you look at the players that Arsenal have at the back, such as David Luiz, mm. but I think that playing in this way, there is limited scope for improvement. I don't think it's and you can say maybe he's trying to sort this out first, but I just sort of feel like he could be more expansive in the way he's playing. And I think if he was playing like that, then they could get, they could go further with it. I think playing the way they're playing, they can only go so far. And I don't think that that is top four. <coughs>
0: Excuse me. Just as I was about to talk, I just choked. Um, well, yeah. A fair I mean, point. what do you guys However, think? Yeah. On Gwendouzi, he fell out with Gwendouzi because of an attitude problem. he, Got into a fight. Um, interesting with Neil Morpe at Brighton, who got dropped this week for having an attitude problem. So yeah, no no wonder they ended up in a fight. But Morpe, um, sorry, Doozy was saying to Morpay oh, I get paid so much more than you. And so Arteta just went, fuck off. You're not in my team. Don't talk about money. Don't care about that. Mm. Don't like your attitude. Piss off. Um, obviously, Ozil things happened. So I quite like the fact that he's strong about those things. Um, he got rid of Torreira as part of the... Partey deal so the Partey came in
2: mm.
0: not sure why the whole world thinks this Parte guy is the greatest player ever he's played he's one game quite, quite well and everyone's oh yes this guy's so good Oh, <laughs> Arsenal just signed a wonderful player we haven't seen him play he's played one game yes he's played Atletico Madrid Diego Simeone didn't pick him so th- th- he can't be like the best midfielder <laughs> in the world um, so yeah, I think there's something there, Rog. And but I do think he's building a team that's winning. I don't. I think he's massively overrated. But I think he's doing the boring, basic things well at the moment, and I think I that's th- going to do you well in the league this year.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's interesting, Rog. Your question about what can they actually achieve? I, I think it's almost like their what they achieve is a byproduct of addressing their flaws. So. Mm. When you know you, everyone can look at Arsenal and look at where they have had problems in the last eighteen months, and I think you would all be right. You, you could you could write them on a list, and you'd get uh, get up to twenty without without having a disagreement of the problems Arsenal Arsenal have had in their squad and areas that they've needed to plug and improve. I think that Arteta has been addressing those areas, and all he'll do this season is to continue to address those areas. And the byproduct of that is they will work up the league because they'll start picking up results. And I, I think if the motivation in managing that side is to address the flaws then who knows what they could achieve it depends on how quickly and efficiently he can address the flaws in the side so I do think that it's possible for them to be a top four side it just depends how quickly Arteta can do a good job but right now it's taking as long as it takes and if they finish sixth seventh I'd probably say that that's a fair evolution of the flaws that they've had
0: Um, talking of teams we're not sure how far they can go and still on the teams that used to be good but not sure if they're good or bad right now are Chelsea fixing their problems we touched on this a bit earlier um, when we touched on Frank but uh, Chelsea seem to be in a position now where they're keeping clean sheets four in a row Um, they just beat Burnley 3-0 away from home got to say beating Burnley right now was pretty easy they look like a complete mess Um, but Chelsea look like they're Getting something right, they played a midfield three and shock horror. If you play Kante in defensive center <laughs> midfield, where he's yeah, I know the best player, it's on so the annoying. Planet,
2: I it just made me angry. I've like, like, seen this. I'm like, oh, there, there he is. There he is. There's that player that's really good at doing that that hasn't been doing that for months. Like, oh, he's really good yeah. at it. Oh, who knew? Yeah, I And then he it, play, it, oh, it. I play, yeah,
0: he just. <laughs> If play one defensive centre midfielder who you've got the best one in the world and then play some flair players around him, oh, it works. Um, but yeah, are Chelsea good now?
2: Jeff, you gave Frank some credit earlier and it's funny because I sort of grudgingly in my head have been doing the same thing because I, I kind of feel like he's addressed, is starting to address some of those flaws and is perhaps doing it quicker than, say, Ollie. I know we've brought Oli up a few times but I uh, and I think that... They've, they're keeping clean sheets, but they've also found a way to partly because they've got a lot of quality in forward positions, I guess. But they've still, you know, found a way to retain that creativity um, at the same time. I mean, uh, it's coincided with um, uh, Zayat coming in
0: mm. to the yeah, team. Yeah, he looked really
2: good. Um, so maybe that's maybe that's part of it. Um, but I I do I sort of do feel like you have to give frank some credit i don't necessarily know if it's the you know the finished article yet but you've got to say on the sample size of the last couple of weeks they've looked they've looked pretty good
1: yeah i agree i mean if you even if just looking at this game in my opinion, it's the perfect away performance. And I don't want to, I don't want to give too much praise because I, I would probably need a long, long cold shower. But <laughs> if, if the, left, the left-sided left player and the right-sided player of three both score a goal and your centre-back scores a goal off a set piece, you keep a clean sheet, you you restrict the opposing team who are the home side of not having a single shot on target and only having five shots in the game and you get them on possession you've you've that's the perfect away performance it's, it's incredible and i don't and I yeah. think you're right to highlight kante's role because the reason why Burnley didn't have a shot on target is because by addressing the defense they were looking at the line outside the defense to defend. And that's what Chelsea have not been doing. They've been exposing. I mean, we spoke about it for ages. Like, like individual errors in Chelsea's defence are, are symptomatic of being put under one-on-one pressure so relentlessly mm. through games. Adding Kante to that position means that they've actually got a shield so that they're not under that kind of pressure. They've got they've got a backup, you know, and that makes all the difference. And that restricts he- the pain to shots on target.
2: It's so bizarre Jeff, as well, because you just use the analogy of a shield. And that's that's really good because it's kind of like what they were doing before. It's basically having a really good shield. Maybe it's even got a bit of magic in it. And you're going into a fight against some some other big bloke with a sword. And you go, I've got this really, really good shield, but I'm going to tie it behind my back. We'll try I'm to not going to I'm not, I'm it. Not, I'm not use it as a shield. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, uh, so it kind of – we can give Frank some credit, but also – come on like this guy is really really good at this role to the point where many many um you know footballing scribes with more knowledge than us have described him as being like two players in one Mm. if you play him in his right position do you know what i mean like um a couple of quick things i wanted to mention on
0: this game um Nick Pope was at fault for the, one of the goals. He was just completely out of bish, position and wrong-footed. I can't remember whose goal it was, sorry. But I just want to bring it up
2: because... I knew you'd do this.
0: I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand the goalkeeping hatred for Pickford. Um, not as an Everton fan or anything. Jeff's the Everton fan. But everyone gets on the England number one goalkeeper thing and goes, Oh, Pickford's crap. He made a mistake. And then go, Oh, we need a bit Nick Pope. He was much more reliable. What he did on Saturday was <laughs> piss poor League Two goalkeeping. And no one mentions it. If he was England had a the season and did that, he would get berated. So I just I want to bring it up because realize how good Pickford is when we don't look at the other goalkeepers when they make mistakes. Um, you know, you're, ab-
1: you're absolutely right. And I think we we should reflect every single time this happens to an England player, not just goalkeeper happens to mm-hmm. an England player. Every time someone gets picked for England, then they get berated when they make a mistake. And actually, every time someone gets picked for another country, this is just a very UK thing, very English thing. Every time mm-hmm. someone gets called up for another country, everything they do for their club is then suddenly genius. If, if, mm-hmm. if a player gets called up to the Spanish squad, everything he does on the ball is suddenly you know cultured and smooth and immaculate and perfect but if, if they get called up to the English squad everything they do is just you know cumbersome and like Bambi on ice like it's got it wrong horrible what we do to people
0: um, and my last thing on this game I don't know if anyone has noticed that Frank Lampard drinks water out of very very small uh, plastic water bottles and we're, we we need to stop using plastic like we know that <laughs> But Frank Lampard uses extremely small water bottles to drink out of, and it really annoys me. I'm
2: like, if you're going to use plastic, is there a reason why? Is it their particular sponsor or something?
0: No, it doesn't have a sponsor on it. And if you're not going to use a reusable, you should use a reusable one. But don't use the smallest plastic one you can find. No, it's just, really,
2: no. no no, I'm with I'm kind of with John on this. That is really odd. I would like John a some a special investigative report into this as to why keep an eye Frank Lampard has small bottles.
0: Keep an eye out for Frank Lampard and his small water bottle. You should, you um, should do a GoFundMe uh, page to get him a keep cup. <laughs> yes, I will. I will send him one with a big Man United logo on the side. Well, um, maybe you could let's... send him your, your big pink phallic water bottle. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got that just over there. <laughs> um, let's go on to the teams that are actually good. Uh, we're running a bit short of time. So we'll go quickly through the teams that are really good, which will annoy the Liverpool fans. So sorry, Liverpool fans, but we always on the football shed, we run out of time to talk about all the teams fully. So we will get around to spend a decent amount of time on Liverpool very soon, I'm sure. Um, but they have now gone 63 games unbeaten at home, which has equaled their record from the 80s. Um, and they won, I've lost score 2 1 against West Ham. Yeah, yeah, I know 63 games is ridiculous. Um, I guess we've got to talk about the Salah penalty. Was it a penalty? Yes, no, well, yes, so, that, <laughs> <funny>. it, <laughs> like,
1: let me.
2: There, there let is, there me is um,
1: okay, you can do this, Roger, because I reckon we're on the same page
2: here. Well, I so in my mind, you know, my feelings on diving are quite strong. Now, yes. Salah has a bit of form in this area, but I would not call Salah a diver. Salah does something else, which I get quite annoyed about, but he accentuates contact. So he's not a diver, but he wins fouls and penalties. Now, I think there, I've watched this a number of times, it is soft as all hell, but it's a foul. In In the current climate of football and you can tell to me by the West Ham players reaction it's a foul if that's anywhere else on the pitch you go oh come on get up you softy but it's it's a foul and so therefore if it happens in the box it's a penalty and it kind of annoys me a bit that it's got a lot of there's been so much about it because I do see I see a lot like it's so common like across Europe that would just be a stone you know Spain that's a stonewall penalty it's just, yeah, I don't, yeah I don't necessarily like it but I see things that are worse Jeff I I know I immediately on my example brought up hammers because I've quite enjoyed hammers and then a few times in recent weeks I've seen him waving the imaginary um card around but also doing the the face clutch when there's no contact anywhere near his face They'll now if that's out. a di- yeah, that's a different kind of player. That To me, that is a player who dives. And I think there's a subtle difference between the two. I don't really like either, but I kind of think, much as I hate to say it, we almost have to accept that we've allowed what Salah did to become part of the game. Yeah. Like, it's just a penalty. Yeah.
1: I think there are two conversations here. Is it a foul? Yes. Did he exaggerate? Yes. And Yeah. It's it's a shame that, yes, Roger, you're right, we've allowed it to be part of the game because we've allowed that recognising it as a foul to make it okay, to make the accentuation okay. You know, it, it's like, yeah. well, it was a foul, so that's okay. And we've, we've never separated the two incidences in football. And and I think that's a shame because I think it would have been a foul whether he whether he leapt like a salmon or not. I, I, th- I think it would have been a foul. I, you don't have to do that. But I know... You know, players feel that they do have to, and that's a real shame. And you know, especially in a world with VAR, you don't have to. Penalties are given for the most nonchalant, you know, toenail bum cracks. You know, wafting over someone, and we give penalties for nothing. So, so you, you we don't have to do that anymore. And it, and it doesn't if do good.
0: If you don't go down, though, he doesn't get the penalty. It doesn't get looked at again. So he has to go down to win the penalty. Because if you get clicked on yeah. the back of your heels, but you carry on running, then play carries on. No one thinks anything. Because you, you can't... VAR can't go back and watch every time someone else's leg touches someone else's leg in the penalty area because we wouldn't get anything done. So he has to go down well, they, to they make could, it John. Penalty.
2: No, I think I... I... To talk to, I think VAR could, and we could referee the game differently where we look for the action of the pure action of was it a foul rather than did was it a foul and how whatever. did they react. But we have let it go so far that now it is, as you say, that you have to do those things or you won't get it. But I don't, that's not because that's what the laws of the game say. That's just because we've let the game go that way. And I think that's sad. But that, yeah. it's also, it, it's true. Like, you so look at you know, the, Salah uh, doesn't go down, he doesn't get a penalty.
1: The, the other game this weekend, there the, the was a similar incident, the um, uh, Spurs-Brighton game. Remember the Spurs-Brighton yes. game? this weekend? Yep. So, obviously, everyone's talking about Harry Kane getting a foul, getting a penalty in this game because he threw his, I mean, I'm going to use conjecture here, but I think that he pushed his body under a jumping player. It, like he backed into Adam Lallana when Adam Lallana was jumping up straight, backed into him,
2: and, and fell Harry
0: Kane. Harry Kane does that all the time. Like yeah, he's, he's still one still of the best up. in the Premier League. Yeah. He does. Yeah, it's but one of his things. To me, to that play. should almost be a
2: foul the other way too, because no it's exactly dangerous. Right, yeah. Like it's it's not and dangerous to Harry Kane, but it's dangerous to the player in the air. But
1: then I think that this this situation was resolved in the heat of the moment because I, there was a another passage of play later in this game where there were two dives son and harry kane both in the brighton box did you you see this so son dived and then harry kane dived in the same passage of play and the referee waved on both the ball went down the other end for brighton this is just before brighton's goal went back to midfield harry kane got challenged from behind there was actually a foul but the referee waved it on Brighton went on and scored a goal. That challenge from behind on Harry Kane was brought back by VAR to say that should the goal stand because of this challenge, the referee went over to look on the monitor and deemed it not a uh, foul. Not even a foul. So so didn't hmm. pull back, didn't disallow I, the goal. I,
2: ag- I agree I, with that, though. I And I thought it was really good that he looked at it. I
1: thought it was great that he looked at it. I thought it was great that he looked at it made his own choice. Great. But the... Extend this out to the whole passage of play, right? The referee has just seen two Spurs players dive and he has deemed both of those things a dive. They're going to win a penalty. They've dived twice, once and then twice within about 12 seconds of each other. So, of course, when Harry Kane gets fouled, he's going to be like, actually, you know, fuck off. Then they go on and score. And then it would be very, it must be incredibly compelling footage to change his mind because of what he's just lived through for the last 45 seconds. He's gone through, he's lived through that whole passage of play and he's formed his judgment. He went over and he saw it on the screen. He's gone, that is not compelling enough for me to know exactly what's happened in my life, which, you know, it sorted itself out on the pitch, but I'd argue that the, you know, it was a foul. The, the one that he looked at on the monitor, I'd argue that was a foul and the goal shouldn't have been allowed. If that is still the rule, sorry, I know that it's, there is a rule in VAR whether it's a phase of play, first phase or second phase of mm. play. I, don't, I need to go back and look at whether it
0: was first or second phase. No, I think he,
2: th- he thought it was not a foul, which I agree with because he got the ball. And I think yeah. he got the ball. He got the
0: ball and then he got the player. Um, on the, uh, well, whilst we're on Spurs, we'll stick on Spurs because they're on one of the teams that are currently actually good. Um, and are in third and could possibly win the league if they win every game 1-0 as I said I did <laughs> post on Facebook um, will Spurs win the league and Paul on Facebook replied with no so there we go yeah, that's yeah, that one yeah, concluded. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <all done>. <laughs> <laughs> Um last team that I wanted to talk about that are doing really well oh, well actually no that's not right not doing very well but uh, a good team that should possibly win the league is Man City Um, They beat Sheffield United 1-0 and Carl Walker scored a goal against his team. Is this the worst Pep Guardiola Man City team ever? Have they just gone to a point now where they're actually a bit crap?
2: No. They've still got De Bruyne. I just think... Well, I don't think you can write off any team that's got De De Bruyne. I think... The city's biggest. It's not necessarily the players they've got. It's Pep. We know he gets to a point, and it's more his players get sick of him and his his methods. I do think that they are overly reliant on Sergio Aguero, um, mm. and doesn't help when Jesus is is also injured. But you look at they're playing Liverpool this weekend. Both those players Huge could be game. back. Torres has started scoring um, goals. I, I mean, I I feel like they're getting it together a bit.
0: Does anyone else get confused when Ferran Torres scores in Man City? You're like Fernando Torres. Oh no, different one. F Torres. <laughs> he's a,
1: he's an attacking midfielder, isn't he? He's not a striker.
0: Yeah, but he's been playing number yeah. nine the last. Oh, I no, oh,
1: This is this is a typical Guardiola thing. So it, they, they played six midfielders
0: on hmm. on the
1: weekend, and that that's a problem. So so your original question is: Is it the worst Guardiola team we've seen? I'd say that it's the most limited. Guardiola, the team we've seen. I don't, I'm not saying they're bad at football, yeah. but I'm saying that they are the most um, tactically frustrated. Guardiola, the team. Usually, uh-huh. he can do anything he wants. He, he can he can change and evolve and be dynamic and, and swap players and overlap and all. But actually, he's he's actually got himself a squad that only has a few options in it, which is why he's playing
0: six midfielders. Yeah, and he also like when. Living in Australia, you can't watch every game because they're all on in the middle of the night. I don't make a beeline for watching Man City games. I used to always make a go point to go. I'm going to watch Man City because they're exciting, or I'm going to watch Barcelona or Bayern Munich when Pep was in charge.
2: Did you though? Because mm. we've talked about boring, boring Man City for like the last two years. No, yeah, yeah we have.
0: But also, you'd still have a little bit of interest in the way they're doing things. But right now, it feels really dull. Like it's gone to beyond. More boring. Yeah, it's more mm. boring. it <laughs> um, And I just think they've kind of got to a point they've got themselves in a rut and I think even they're bored of themselves. It's sterile. Well, and I it's think, really
1: sterile football.
0: Think,
2: you know, and I look at what are the main differences with their their squad in the last couple of years and I think busane has gone. He was a player that gave him something different. Last year, he obviously didn't play much, but when he was there, mm. I think he was important because he was something different to what they had. So we're saying they don't have many options. Sané was was something different. And I also think they had David Silva, who is one of the best midfielders we've seen in the Premier League. Now, I don't think they've replaced those two players with players of a similar calibre. They may prove to be. You know, Torres could be great, but it's more potential. Phil Foden could be great. But, you know, if he's anywhere near as good as Silva, he'll be doing very well. So I think... I mean, are they weaker than last season? Yes, I think you, could, you yeah. could very much make that argument.
1: If Phil Foden is so great, like everyone bangs on about, and you're going to play six midfielders, why isn't he one of them?
2: <laughs> well, he, he has been playing, to be fair. Yeah, and he if played he, in the Champions League
1: this morning. It, yeah, but Kevin De Bruyne starts every game. David Silva... When, uh, before he was age 39 years old, would start every game. If Phil Foden is that good, this is, the, this is the, what, what frustrates the crap out of me about teams <laughs> and, and people talking about players with potential and saying how amazing they are. If they are that good, they would be playing every game and they would be he- contributing every time. If Phil Foden was as good as the whole world says he is, he should be more influential in that side and he should be playing every single game. But He's, and he's not. also
2: still quite young, Jeff. He's been young
1: for five years.
0: I, I'm like I. I disagree with you, Jeff. But six weeks ago, I disagreed with you strongly. Now I'm just mildly.
2: Well, this, is like agree, this is like this really. Man City theory. He kept going with it for so long that eventually he just beat us into submission, him. and we all we all thought Man City were crap by the end of it because Jeff just talked him about it every week. Have you seen um, that David Silva was smashing it in Italy as well? Uh, yeah, sorry, it's also Spain. A dad, it's also a dad yeah. great guns.
0: Yeah. Um, let's on well, on that note let's move on to side stories does anyone have any uh, side well, whilst we're in Europe I'm going to go first and just talk about Zlatan for two seconds because Milan are top of the league in Syria. he's the top scorer in the league he's 39 years old and they have the youngest squad in the league because all the other players are 22 23 and run, do run around and they just have granddad up front who wins it for them and it's brilliant and I'm kind of loving it He's it's, a, a,
2: it's incredible. It, it's weird as well. Do you know what? I hate Ronaldo. And one of the reasons I hate him is his arrogance. I quite like Zlatan. And one of the reasons I like him is because of his arrogance. <laughs> that, like, he has yeah. this like, car, cartoonish arrogance. Yeah, it's a ton of cheekness to it. Yeah. It's like, is he actually taking himself seriously? And he posted lots of stuff after his goal. By the way, a lot of stuff's been spoken about after his overhead kick winner. Um, terrible the weekend goal. terrible and, you just fell over. Like, well, and my immediate reaction to this goal is at what point do you not worry about dangerous play because mm. he nearly destroyed the guy's face, and his foot was so high. But because it's an overhead kick and a goal, it's kind of like, oh, never I've mind. always thought that about overhead
1: kicks. Always thought about yeah. it. why? Why aren't they banned? I'd I'd like to talk to our, our referee mates about that. Like, at what point yeah. is it? Does it go from spectacular to dangerous?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yes, if you miss the ball, I suppose. But yeah, yeah I, no, John, I'm with you. I I love it, and I kind of love. Uh, I love Zlatan, which is like, I just he's ridiculous. <laughs>
1: um, one, one from me. Do you remember we um, spent a bit of time talking about the new rules with penalty kicks and goalkeepers coming off their line? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll bring you back to a conversation we had uh, about whether it would be good or bad for certain players. And, and, and I remember there was quite a lot of talk about Jorginho, talking about players who do the kind of Pogba, uh, Jorginho yes. run-up. To say the that, you know, jumper. because... Yeah, they, they do the jump to stall to look at the keeper. Now Jorginho had a phenomenal penalty record, didn't he? He was the best mm. one of the best penalty takers in the world. You see, he's just missed another one in the Champions League this week.
0: No. Just
1: mm. missed another one. And I think it was only a month ago that we were saying players like Jorginho are going to really suffer because their whole technique is waiting for a goalkeeper and then picking the other way and being able to react quick enough. And when the goalkeeper has to stay on his line the whole time, players like Jorginho just have a soft, mediocre penalty. And that's what yeah, he's been left with. Yeah, oh,
0: good. So keep your eye on it. Andy, Andy doesn't play in defensive midfield for uh, Chelsea <laughs> anymore either. It's all going wrong for Jorginho. It's all going wrong. Sorry, George. <laughs> Um, I just wanted to bring up the fact that Sergio Ramos has scored 100 goals for Real Madrid which is ridiculous
2: it's a lot um, of goals
0: <laughs> in, he's played 659 games scored 100 goals so one every six and a half games it's pretty good as a centre-back isn't it mm.
1: um, it's phenomenal yeah he's, he's, a, he's a machine
0: i not sure I like them. the guy but he's, he's very no. good at football 55 of those goals with his head wow yeah which is amazing um, any other side stories before we go on to end game
1: no I had a great damning stat about Liverpool but I'll save that till when it's really <laughs> really relevant
0: <laughs> <laughs> just save that one in your back pocket Jeff.
1: just something to look forward to
0: um, right end game so I won last week um, I think by default because Rog fucked up um, so that means I'm on three points Jeff is also on three points and Rog is on two points oh no um, oh Roger's just done something wrong you just lost your pen
2: no no or oh, no as in I'm losing oh yeah you're crap at this Roger. an exclamation uh,
0: um, <laughs> 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 this week's game uh, Arsenal play Aston Villa in the league this week now Arsenal played Aston Villa in an FA Cup final in 2015 and Arsenal won 4-0 2015, come on. It's what, my bloody... It's my black hole. Arsene Wenger was manager of Arsenal. They had won the pickup cup the year before and they won it this year. They beat Hull the year before. Aston Villa were married, uh, married, managed by a certain Tim Sherwood um, who had one year in charge of Villa and it all went a bit wrong.
1: Sorry, was it Arsene Wenger's last year? Was that... Uh, no, I
0: don't think so. I think he had what another year score? or two. It was 4-0 to Arsenal. Um, there was 89,283 people at Wembley. Jonathan Moss was the referee. Rog, you lost last week, so you can go first.
2: Um, 2015. Definitely not, a bit of a blank this time. Dennis Bergkamp. Uh, Cazelny.
0: Uh, only started, is correct. Uh, Mertesacker. Mertesacker started, that is correct.
2: Um, Aaron Ramsey. Correct. Ozul. Correct. Um,
0: four for four so far, good start. Don't fuck it up, Rog. Check. Check is incorrect. Uh, One life uh, off, Rog. Hector Bellerin. Hector Bellerin is correct.
2: (laughs) Good exhale, Rog. <laughs> yeah, I this honestly, I am completely blank. Villa in 2015 under Tim Sherwood. Villa. Don't try and think
0: too hard, just, just trust yourself, just go with your thoughts no. It's the bit,
2: it's that time, John. 2015 is my complete is it season 2015 16 or 14 15? 14, 14 15.
0: 15, but that definitely makes no difference to your thinking.
2: <laughs> uh, sorry quick game's a good game um... oh come on Rog, Just, come on, like, rog. Come on. Sammy Nasri no
0: Sammy Nasri
1: no uh, Alexis, San- Alexis Sanchez correct
2: yeah ah, Sanchez <laughs> yeah
1: is that, is that it Top
2: yes. of the yeah oh, yeah. Yes. yeah i i could not think of anyone no, right. just completely like, was it was it mm-hmm. was augla still playing for villa
0: ah uh, he came off the bench
1: yeah Rog that was your that was your banker
2: so uh arsenal i can't think Ches- of a single member of that villa team ah Shezny shesney he was he was having a uh, having a siggy in the change rooms in the showers
0: bellerin <sighs> kasheli murtsak and monreal at the back Cocklin, Ozil, Ramsey, Carzola, Alexis Sanchez, and Theo Walcott. Like that's a crap team, though. <laughs> 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 and then Arsenal. Uh, sorry, Aston Villa. Shay Given in goal. Um, ah, Alan Button, yeah. Jores Acore, who I don't know who that is. Um, Ron Vlar, Kieran Richardson, yeah. Ashley Westwood, Tom Kieran Cleverley, Richardson. Fabian Dell. Come Del. on, this is the worst Villa team. <laughs> Charles and Zogbia, Jack Grealish,
2: and Christian Benteke. Oh, Grealish! Bro. Wow, what is memorable uh, about that Villa can- team? Nothing. Fabian what a crap game, John.
1: Sorry, Fabian <laughs> Delph was playing for Villa at that point.
2: Yes, yeah, before he went to Man City. Yeah, before he went to
1: City. So did he? Well, sorry, I knew- sorry, ah. did you go off on one? So he was at Leeds, right? Fabian Delph. Yes. Anyway, yes. did he go from Leeds to Villa? Yes. Yeah. Ah, then he went to Man City from Villa. Yes.
2: Yeah. I'd just yeah, like yeah. to say that was a particularly crap game and you both keep picking twenty fifteen.
1: <laughs> or twenty sixteen.
2: <2016. laughs> <laughs> Let's keep going, Jeff. Just just make yeah. sure. let go no older, points. please. Well, I thought that was quite a good one. FA Cup <laughs> I final. Mean, I I love it. The FA Cup yeah. final. No, that villa yeah, right. team is so bad, John. That was never gonna go far. Like... So
1: you'd argue that Tim Sherwood <sighs> is an excellent manager to get them to the final.
2: Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Ron didn't he, there didn't he uh, rip his g layoff at some point in that run <laughs> um, right we're all done has anyone got anything before we go
1: no great to be back no. in the shed
0: we might Dude. be back in
1: person next week New, yes. all of the restrictions etc etc yes, possibly
0: we'll be yeah. in person it be exciting wow get your Although mics sure out to, yeah we have to get our mics out and talk in person I'm not sure if I'm comfortable doing that yeah we'll do it online uh, <laughs> socially distanced <laughs> thanks for listening everyone uh, we will be back next week either here or in person um, don't forget if you want to get in contact ask us questions or tell us we're wrong about something just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com bye everybody bye bye see ya bye <laughs> <laughs> you
1: sound so miserable Roger. <laughs> <Raj>. bye,
0: <sighs> bye.
2: I hope the game's fucking reeked. <laughs>